Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Gerolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. Diodora, the brand made famous by Bjorn Borg and currently worn by world number 28, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, is the official shoe of the podcast. See them at Diodora.com. Today's guest grew up outside of Philadelphia and dominated junior tennis in the 80s. She attended the University of Florida and won the NCAA singles title in 1992 and 1993. She got to 15 in the world in singles, posting wins over world number ones, Venus Williams, Jennifer Capriati, and Martina Hingis, to name a few and is the best doubles player of her generation, winning six majors and 79 titles. Lisa Raymond is today's guest. Now, hang on a second. Are you in Philly? Are you outside of Philly? Where are you exactly? Outside of Philly. So, Wayne is where I grew up. Wayne, PA. Like, kind of, you know, like Villanova. um, Off the main line, basically. And that's where you live. You live where you grew up. So... It's kind of, I mean, I spend a lot of time here. I used to have a place here. I sold it um, a few years ago after getting out of a a tough relationship. And then my whole family's still here. Um, I used to have another place down in Avalon, New Jersey, which is a Jersey Shore. Uh, I sold that a couple. So I'm just, I basically, um, it's funny. Like I'm kind of, I'm homeless, but I'm not homeless. Like I don't have like an official home right now because I'm on the road a lot, whether it's with Allie or whether it's like when I come back home, I'm, I stay at my sister's, stay at my mom's. Um, so you got a whole uh, thing happening in that Philly area, uh, oh, young, yeah. young woman, you hear just found out, you know, in the come in the past few weeks that she is on the ballot to be voted into the hall of fame, the tennis hall of fame, Former Florida Gator, world number one in doubles, got to 15 in the world in singles, won nine billion tennis matches. <laughs> and that is Lisa Raymond. Very nice to have you on the show. Happy to be here, Craig. Thanks for having me. As you know, we do a five-set format. The first set is the off-the-court report. Uh, are you are you um, planning on attending any World Series games? Oh gosh, I wish. Um, I'm actually in Philly right now, and um, it's funny. My brother-in-law actually is trying to. He might be going tonight to the game, so very jealous of that. <laughs> you won't go. I, no, I I I've got a uh, little bit of Halloween duty here um, with uh, helping you know my sister out a little bit, giving out candy and whatnot. But oh um, right, today's no, Halloween. This is a yeah, Hall- happy- this is a Halloween I- special. That's now, right. That's now, right. will you will you will you get dressed up? No, <laughs> you're just passing no, out candy. I, yeah, I've I haven't gotten dressed in years. I haven't been to like a a full on party, a Halloween party for a, quite a quite a few years now. But um, but I enjoy seeing all the kids and what they they you know they come to the to the door and and what they're wearing. So it's you know, Halloween's now it's no longer a children's holiday. It's no. for adults to just get just to dress up. Stupid. I know. <laughs> so now, um did you know you were going to be on the ballot? Did you know that was happening? 
No, I mean, it's, it's always, uh, you know, the first time I was, was nominated to put on the ballot, um, I, it was obviously, uh, just quite a, a shock. It was quite, you know, just, it's unbelievable honor. And then when I didn't get put in that first year, um, you know, obviously extremely disappointed, but, uh, knew I had a couple other chances left. And then this year, um, when yeah, I so was, what's, sorry, um, sorry, let me interrupt you. What's yeah. the rule? It's five after you finish playing five years, yeah. I think is the rule. Yeah. And so, so then this year, um, when I got put back on the ballot, um, you know, again, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just, it's such, it's so humbling and such an incredible honor. And, you know, I'm always been kind of one of these people, like, I just, look, I, I obviously knew I had a successful career and, um, you know, was pretty blessed to do what I did for as long as I, I, I played. And, but, you know, I never really kind of looked back and, and was like, you know, when I, you know, saw stats and, and, you know, tournaments I've won, um, you know, it's not like I've always been one of these people who just kind of just, it kind of ignored that a little bit. And then when, you know, you get put on this ballot and, you know, you start seeing all these, you know, I keep having to, whether it's retweet or, you know, my friends coming and and telling me they're voting and, you know, I read, you know, kind of like what I've accomplished. It's just, it's so humbling. And it's just kind of like, wow, like this is just such an unreal, um, an unreal honor and you know it's it's really cool too to be on the ballot with a a friend of mine you know with Cara Black who you know I played doubles with Cara I mean she's you know one of the greatest doubles players to ever play hands down so it's cool to kind of be on there with her and um you know and obviously the names are just I mean they speak for themselves it's just it's just such an honor it's just again it's it's humbling and it's an honor what happens next when what's the story when do you find out if you're in or not I guess what they do is there's the whole fan voting. And then after that, then that'll close. And then it comes down to, I think, writers and, and past Hall of Famers vote. Um, so I think it's somewhere, I want to say it's it's like a, during the holidays, maybe January, somewhere in there. We find it's out. Coming up. But, um, it's coming up. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's it's one of those things where you, you know, I say, you know, oh, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm going to ignore it. But of course, you think about it. <laughs> Let's move into the second set. This is the on the court report. So I know you're Alley Kicks coach. I know you keep your eye on pro tennis. Mm-hmm. Is there any player that you love to watch play right now? Because I mean, it's so funny. I was all morning and, and the last few days I've been watching your mm-hmm. matches and stuff, and nobody <laughs> plays tennis like you. Yeah. It, no, it's, it's, like a, it's a it's a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, it really is. It is. I mean, tennis, look it's it's so different than when I played in the sense it's so physical um everybody is you know tall and strong and you know you you combine that with the technology of frames and strings um you know that are at your disposal now but um you know it's it's funny you mentioned that about my style like it's one of the reasons I was such a huge Ash Barty fan um and I know I knew Ash forever I mean when she was a kid I mean we used to practice when I was still playing I mean I'd get her butt out there and helped me practice some doubles, you know, early morning practices. And she was awesome. And, um, you know, and I always said, you know, one of the things that made Ash stand out was her slice, obviously, you know, and it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, working with somebody like Allie, who, um, you know, has that capability of, of implementing that sort of thing into the game. I mean, I wish, 
you know, more girls would be, you know, would, you know, like you, like someone like an Ange Jabor, you know, the way Ange mixes it up, you know, it's like having that slice and having that versatility, I think is just so important. And, um, you know, it's like, I wish, I wish there were more girls who, um, who would implement, you know, shots like that more. Um, so, you know, again, I'm definitely a little bit more old school, but, um, you know, I think it would certainly make some matches a lot more entertaining too. What is your opinion of the health of the WTA at the moment? Um, I, I think it's extremely healthy. I mean, you have incredible depth. Um, you know, you've got a lot of younger players that, you know, look, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. I mean, I never thought there would be another, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old that was going to, you know, really make an impact um, back when I, like when I played, you know, and now you've got someone like, you know, a Coco golf who's in singles and doubles of, you know, the year in championships at her age, which is phenomenal. Um, so, you know, by I think the way, by the way, what a turn of events that Jess Pagula and, and Coco yep. golf would have accelerated and excelled the way mm-hmm. they have. Absolutely. You know, I mean, someone like Jess who, you know, I've known Jess forever. Again, she played when I was still playing. Um, I actually, you know, coached her on the Fed Cup team when she was on one of my Fed Cup teams when I was helping coach. And, um, you know, seeing, you know, her progression after all her injuries um, and, you know, David Witt, who, uh, you know, I've known forever as well. I mean, he's such a good guy and such a great coach. I mean, they've, he's done such a phenomenal job with her. Um, and it's awesome to see how well she's done. I mean, to get up to, I think she's three in the world now. And, Again, singles and doubles um, at the year in championships, which, uh, you know, you haven't seen that a lot in the past 10 years. Um, so it's very cool to, to see those girls doing as well as they are. What about the, you know, I've talked about it with others that there's, there's a dearth of, there's a, there's a lack of tournaments. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's some things that need to get better. Do you share that frustration? In what sense? What do you mean? Things that need to get better? And, and well, in terms of the, there needs to be more tournaments, the prize money. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like a player right. seventy in the world has to play ITFs yeah. to, and then just to just yeah. to kind of keep the ranking up to get to the majors to make the money. And no, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, you know, given what happened, you know, in Asia and in China, and you know that we you know lost a lot of those events. Um, that was unfortunate, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's a, you, you know, you talk about the top 100 girls, um, you know, in the world as it's definitely compared to the top 100 men, but you know, they, they need to be playing, you know, if you're ranked 70, 80 in the world, you need to be playing singles, doubles and, you know, go and like you said, find, you know, some of these smaller or bigger, I guess I should say ITF tournaments that they can play in order to, you know, make a living support you know have a team with them coaches and whatnot um you know it's funny it's like you know i obviously with Allie, you know she's had a ton of injuries so she's had to play a lot of the the smaller itf events and you go to some of these events and back when i was playing you know you'd go to like a 50 or 60 um you know challenger itf and you know you you would never see girls ranked in the top 100 playing those events and now it's they're stacked with them you know, because they have to be and, you know, which is just crazy. And it's, you know, I guess obviously it's the calendar, you know, and not having enough tournaments, you know, at the same, you know, for the same weeks. And but yeah, I mean, it's 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 absolutely an issue. So now 
where were you when Serena finished up? And what were um, your uh, what was running through your yeah. head those weeks? I mean, look again, Serena. Um, I, I I was on tour the entire time. You know, she was on tour the entire time I was playing, and obviously played against both girls so many times. Played against Serena, singles, doubles, mixed. Played against her. Um, you know, was on Fed Cup teams with her. What she was on a, a Fed Cup team I was coaching. So it was. You know, having Serena um, retire, uh, it was almost like a, a part of me was being gone. You know, it was like because she was such a part of my tennis career in so many ways. Sure. Um, but, you know, what she's done for tennis and for women in sports and just it's just unreal. And, you know, I'd be the first one to say, you know, I mean, I certainly shed plenty of tears, you know, watching that last match um, and watching you know, her play in that, in that open, you know, and it was cool to see, you know, my buddy, you know, Renee Stubbs right there guiding her and, and, you know, being there both as coach and confidant and friend uh, during those last, you know, that last 10 days or so, um, you know, it was cool to watch as well. So. well. And she played well. No one thought she, she could did. play well and she played well. Yep. She did. She know it. She, she got a little fitter, you know, even those that last, you know, few weeks, um, you know, when she played, you know, such a difference from the girl that played in Cincinnati as the one that played at the open, um, yeah, you know, it was, and it was a, amazing to sort of see she got better. She did. She did. And, um, and it was just, again, it was so thrilling to watch those, those few matches and for a million different reasons. And yet um, again, it was, it, it was a very happy event, but very sad event. So. It's yeah, like I think what you just said, you know, that a like piece of you sort of retires too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when it's your true. heroes kind of finish. It's like, oh my god, can you believe what's just happened? Just yeah, it was just again, it was someone who was there like my entire career in so many different facets, and so it's like, wow, like it was sad, very sad. Where were you when Roger Federer stopped at? Oh. You know, he he stopped at Labor Cup, obviously, and that was. uh that was oh. a tearjerker to say the yep. least. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, Roger is just, I, what do you say? I mean, you, you can't say enough about him. I mean, he was always just such, obviously what he did on court was just insane. And, and just, you know, you never saw so many players, you know, feed into a player box or a player area to watch some, uh, you know, a fellow competitor play. I mean, it was like always packed watching Roger. Um, you know, if you could watch him live um, and, it was just, I mean, I've got so many like little stories of how, what a nice guy he was. He was so incredibly like respectful. And even like, to me, I'll never forget. I was playing, I was Sam Stozer and I had, um, we were number one in the world um, and getting our, we finished the, the year and number one and it, we were in Paris at the French open and had the, the, the world um, champions dinner. And he was getting his award that night with us. And um we got to sit at the same table with him and which was like the greatest thrill ever. But <laughs> I just, I'll never forget. Like he was just, it didn't matter who, who was getting the award, whether it was the top junior, whether it was us getting doubles, whether it was the wheelchair champion, whether it was whomever, he literally just st would just sit there and just wanted to listen and take it in and, and hear everything those people had to say. And, and it's like, he was, just so respectful of his fellow player and just such an awesome guy. And just, 
yeah, I mean, having him, I mean, watching that, those last moments with him and, and Rafa at Labor Cup were just, I mean, how do you not cry at, at all of that? I mean, it's just the respect those guys have for each other, just uh, on and off the court is just, just phenomenal. So he's definitely, definitely going to be, you know, men's tennis lost, you know, a big part of it that day he retired. So let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk mm-hmm. about your career. Now, Lisa, okay. where does your, where does your tennis begin? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, as far as when did I start playing? I mean, the, the, I mean, the question's the yeah. question. Where does it, where did you get, where uh, yeah. does it, where did you learn to play okay. that style? Well, I mean, I, well, I learned to play that style just, I, my idol was always, I loved watching Steffi and granted she wasn't much older than me, but it was like, I always, you know, when I would be playing and, and whatnot, it was, I always wanted to emulate her. Wait, and, but hang um, on a second. Let's back up. So did you, yeah. did you grow up with, how did you grow up in tennis? So, so basically I was this huge little tomboy growing up. I was, you know, always, you know, hanging out with my dad, um, throwing the football or doing all kinds of sports. And my parents used to play. I mean, they used to just, you know, go out and, and play a little bit. So I would just be another sport that I would play with them. And it just, one of those things that just hand eye came pretty natural to me. Uh, tennis came pretty natural to me. And then they started me in some clinics and then private lessons and, you know, one thing onto another. And it was just, I, I was really, really fortunate to have some really special coaches growing up when I had a young age that, um, you know, never, you know, tennis was never everything, you know, it was like, I needed to stay in school get an education, have some friends outside of tennis. Um, and, you know, obviously then play tennis, but, um, you know, which just, they were more concerned about me being kind of an all around human being than just being, you know, this, you know, 12 year old who was going to play tennis for eight hours a day. And, um, and then I just, it just evolved and it was just something, you know, that, I was, I did really well at at a junior level and then a college level. And then the next step was turning pro. Um, and it just kind of segued into each step. That you said that very matter of factly. Did I know that you were like number one in the, you number one in the 18s, number one in the mm-hmm. 16s. Did you, were you traveling every weekend? Locally. I mean, I, again, I, I know it was a, it was a very different time too. So it's like, I was probably practicing maybe an hour and a half every day. And then on the weekends we'd travel to, you know, being from Philly, we'd go to like Lancaster and play a tournament or we'd go to Jersey somewhere or Delaware um, and just play middle States events. And, you know, and I've been on, you know, it was USGA. I was on us national team. And, so you and, got, um, so hold on a second. So you were identified as talent and yeah. How old were you when that happened? Young. I mean, I like I, I was number one in all my age groups. I was number one and nationally in my age group. So, um, you know, I was pretty young. I mean, and, I was you know thirteen, fourteen years old when it started all to kind of. And were you click. Were, were who were you battling any names that we know? Did you did you? Um... Oh yeah. Well, Jennifer Capriati and I, we won national clay court 14 doubles and think she was like nine. <laughs> so it was like, Oh, really? But, um, yeah. Really? And, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I knew Jen forever, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, probably in my, that group, probably Capriati was probably the one that, you know, nationally, um, a lot of the girls I played against ended up either going to college and then just, you know, 
not turning pro. Wait, that's um, so funny. You guys um, won the four teams and she was nine. <laughs> yeah, she was a kid. I mean, whatever. She was a baby. Yeah, it was, she was nuts. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so. Did you travel internationally? Did you play like the, you know, junior Wimbledon? Yeah. And- you know, it's funny. I, I could not play my way out of a paper bag internationally. I was horrible when I played. Like I, I played maybe, I think the USTA took me on maybe one trip overseas where I played like, I played junior Wimbledon once. I played a couple little, I played a, an event in France, an event in Belgium, and I was terrible. I just could not play. It was so funny. And then I think I played Junior Open maybe one time, played Orange Bowl once, lost first round. I just, it was so funny. I just was terrible overseas. Like, I I don't even think I had a ranking, like, as far as internationally. Um, really? That's how few tournaments, yeah, I mean, I was terrible. I mean, I was, again, number one in the States, but just could not play overseas when I was a kid. And where did that one-handed backhand, how did that evolve the way you, the way you, for any of our listeners that never seen Lisa Raymond play, she's got like, I mean, she, I, I don't even know what to say. You've got the most classic <laughs> style there ever was, really. Oh, well, thank you, Craig. That's sweet. I, you know, it's funny. I, when I was young, obviously I took a lot of hits having the one-hander. I mean, I took a lot of losses because I wasn't strong enough. But again, I was fortunate enough to have a coach that knew had the foresight to be like, look, this is really going to um, help you in the long run. You know, who cares if you're losing, you know, matches to moonballers when, you know, you're 12, 13 years old. Mm. But, um, and it was just something that stuck, you know? And then when I went to college, um, Andy Brandy really helped develop my top spin a lot more than my slice. And, so, um, well, so hang on a second. So you, yeah. you're, I guess, 17 yeah. or so. Was there talk of turning pro then, or was that never really on the table? It, I just, it wasn't on the table. I wasn't ready. And, you know, I was, again, I was fortunate that my coach at the time and my parents were super supportive of whatever I wanted to do. You know, they said, look, you know, you want to go to college? Let's go to college. If you want to give it this a shot, um, you know, do it. But it was, I was too young. I was a very young freshman. I was 17, turning 18, yep. um, going into school. And, so you I just, were recru- I wasn't ready, and I so just—you I... were recruited mm-hmm. um, to go to, to. Well, what schools were you thinking about, and then which, and how did you decide to go? I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I was recruited by all the schools, but I was always thought I wanted to go out west, and I was always like, you know, I want to go out west, and I want to be in California, the UCLA's of the world, Stanford's, um. And so at the time, one of my dearest friends, who's still one of my best friends this day, Andrea Farley, um, she was a freshman at Florida at UF. And and kind of like everyone, like all the coaches amongst themselves, obviously they all talk, whatever. And it was kind of like, oh, well, Lisa is probably going to end up going out west. So, um, but but Andrea was like, look, just come, you know, let's just come to Florida, come, you know, visit, use one of your visits and we'll have a blast and this and that. So I go down homecoming weekend, use one of my recruiting trips, absolutely fell in love with Andy, fell in love with the school, had so much fun and literally signed before I got on the plane to get back home. A letter of intent said, Andy, I'm coming here. Now, and that was it. And it was probably the best decision, one of the best decisions of, of my life, let alone my career. Did you get better there? Yes, 100%. But Andy, Andy Brandy was a very special, is a very special um, coach. I mean, he, 
he was a pro coach. He wasn't just some, you know, college coach that, you know, he, he developed players. I mean, and he had had the experiences before. I mean, he had helped, you know, obviously it's, you know, he had been with Kathy Rinaldi when she was, you know, top 10 in the world when she was young. And, um, you know, he had, he just had a different mindset that I was not used to. And he just helped create, you know, my game and, and just helped me just on the court, off the court, my work ethic, my professionalism. I mean, just everything about it. And he just ran such an unreal program and such a, a, uh, a strict program, um, which strict. I needed. And it was very, it was great though. I mean, it was just, you did not, you didn't mess with Andy, put it that way. <laughs> and look, I, I tried at the beginning and I got, you know, I, I learned quickly not to, to mess with it, with Andy Brandy. And, um, you know, it just, um, yeah, I mean, he just I owe, and then I I stayed at UF. I turned pro after two years. I well, hang on. So you didn't just you didn't just stay. After. Wait, hold on. But you didn't just stay at UF. Go ahead. You won. You won the yes. NCAA's. You won yes, the team. You won the individuals twice and the team once. Team once. Yeah, we lost in the semis my my sophomore year, but um, the, my freshman year at Stanford, we won the team, which was unreal. It was so much fun. It was so cool. So you you so you had great success, mm-hmm. um, and, and does that remain like a great moment for you? Oh, it's again like I said, going to the University of Florida for those two years and playing on that team was probably the the best decision I made of my career. Um, and I mean, I have so many unbelievable memories. I mean, like I told you, like Andrew Farley is still one of my best friends um, to this day. And, you know, playing, you know, on a team, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the reasons why, you know, I've always loved doubles so much. And I've always had such success in doubles is I do love a team. I've always loved playing Fed Cup. You know, I love the team format and playing and having to like, be out there with somebody, you know, and have somebody dependent upon you and you dependent upon somebody else. Um, And uh, so sophomore year. Mm-hmm. You is it is it were you already were you already playing pro tournaments? Were you already starting to um, think that you could compete? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I played maybe two or three um, tournaments. I think I got like a wild card, maybe into like which was back then called the Lipton. Um, yeah, into the Miami event. Yeah. Um, and I played like some smaller little like ITF, maybe two. And, but I always knew, I knew, I knew that probably after my sophomore year that I, I didn't feel like I was going to really accomplish anything more in school and in college on court. Um, and I just felt like I was ready. I felt at 19, I finally um, emotionally was ready. My game was ready. Um, and it was just like, all right, let's give this a shot. I always remembered um, talking to Jeff Tarango. He said to me that, you know, he was, he was in like the social room at his fraternity at Stanford and Michael Chang was winning the French open. Did that happen to you where you were seeing, I guess, Capriati like winning Mm -hmm. matches and being like, wait a second, I had to turn pro. Um, I mean, hold on. Or did you have, did, was there ever like a win or did you, do you ever play someone? Was there a match that mm-hmm. made you be like, Oh wait, I could be, 
top 20 in pro tennis. I remember my, I think, it, I'm pretty sure it must have been my sophomore year. And I was playing, um, I I won, because I won the NCAAs, I got the wild card into the Open. So it was my sophomore, my sophomore no, my freshman year. So I was going into my sophomore year. Mm. So it was my freshman summer. So I win the NCAAs, I get a wild card into the Open, and I'm going to play Celis second round. I'm going to play Monica. <laughs> and so... I go out there and I'll never forget it. We were on, we played on the old grandstand. Hey, hold on. You won your first round match. I did. Yeah. Who did you beat? Oh God. I, I, Craig, I knew you were going to just ask me that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I gotta be honest. I can't remember. It's okay. All I remember remember is playing Monica. And I remember, I think the first set was like, I played unreal. And the first set was like seven, six. And then she killed me like six, one or six, two. And, um, and I remember like, feeling in that match like wow this is this is pretty cool being out here on grandstand playing against I me mean, monica obviously the time was probably you know whatever like two one two three or four in the world um and um and i just remember just thinking to myself like this is what i wanted this is where i want to be and um and i remember yeah and it was so cool and then i went back to college and it was like you know everyone was talking about it and it was so neat and um yeah so uh, you know, again, it was just one of those things for me. It was just, I knew after my sophomore year that it, that it was time. And it was like, all right, let me, I want to do this. Let me, let me try this out. Let's see if I can do it. How did you like being a pro um, at the beginning? Well, it was, it's funny because my first, so I went in Sublays in May and then in June, Andy and I go to, um, I play Wimbledon. And I guess my ranking, I had gotten enough points like through just playing some different tournaments, a small events, whatever that I was, you know, I got into Wimbledon and, um, and I get to the round of 16, my first year, my first Wimbledon. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this isn't that hard. Is it shoot? Like, you know, like, and I mean, obviously it's a rude awakening, but, um, and I remember I lost to Jennifer round of 16, um, court 14, nine, seven in the third set. And it was just this epic match. And um, so when I came out of school, it was just, I kind of, I almost made this big splash of, you know, I did really well to start. And um, so I kind of had this false sense of, you know, oh, this isn't going to be as difficult maybe as I thought. And then that obviously went out the door very fast. <laughs> and, you know, you you get humbled very quickly. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was there was tournaments, especially I was never great on clay. And it was just because my style. I mean, I had some good results, but it was like I never enjoyed playing on it. I liked coming forward. I liked, you know, my ideal was either grass or a quick hard court um, indoors, preferably. But, um, you know, I took some horrible losses on clay, you know, to girls that, you know, I just never in a million years, you know, should lose to. And, you know, and it's like, you realize that, you know, probably one of my biggest, my most proudest accomplishments is the fact, you know, in my career, I was able to keep my ranking, you know, 20, 30, 40 in the world for as long as I did. And I think that is so hard to do. You know, it's very easy to come out and play and, and do very well in a couple big tournaments and, and have a, you know, a big splash, you know, it's, it's maintaining that. And it's, it's the consistency 
of the tour, the girls that can do that year in and year out, that's impressive, you know? And, you know, it's funny, like when people, you see some of these girls come out and they'll play somebody, a big name on a center court at a slam and they beat them. And it's like, honestly, like, that's not the difficult part. That's actually not that hard to do. You know, when you have, you know, when you're the underdog and you have all these fans on your side and you know you have absolutely nothing to lose, that's not that difficult, you know? And it's, but it's like, it's going out there and having the target on your back every day, day in, day out for years. I mean, and that's what ended up happening with my doubles and, you know, and it was like every single tournament, you know, I was expected to win, you know, and I was number one in the world in doubles. And, you know, when, you know, when Sam and I were doing so well, when Renee and I were doing well, or Liesl, you know, and it was like, that's what's hard. It's not difficult taking out top players. It's difficult maintaining that and becoming that top player and doing it week in, week out um, and producing the results. Did you like being a pro player? Did you yeah. have a good, yes. I loved it. I loved it. You know, and I think when you're young, like in my early 20s, obviously I took for granted, you know, it's like I didn't develop perspective till probably, you know, late 20s, early 30s, which, you know, I regret, you know, and it's like, that's one thing that I always tell people that I work with or, the, you know, I've talked to Allie, you know, it's like either tomorrow is, is not guaranteed out here, you know, and it's like, don't always think, you know, that there's going to be next year, or I'll, I'll do better next year or I'll, you know, next week, whatever. And it's like, you don't know that. And it's like, it's, it's just, um, you know, I, I loved it. I loved competing. Look, I love winning. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, winning, you know, just was something, it was a drug and it became a drug that you just, um, I loved it and I miss it. I miss that, that part of, of, of competing so much. Um, but you know, I was very blessed to do what I did for as long as I did. Um, and it was an incredible life, you know, but I will say it was incredible because when you're doing well and you're successful, it's an incredible life, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's, you know, it's, my relationship with tennis is, can be very different, you know, than somebody who, you know, didn't have the career that I did. So now you stopped playing singles in 2007. Mm-hmm. So, so my, I guess my question is, do you think that was a good decision? Mm-hmm. Yes. For me, it was the right decision. I, I was kind of at this crossroads where I was playing a lot of doubles with Sam Stozer and we were doing very well and my singles ranking was starting to go down. So I was, I was in this, this, this place where if I decided to stay and play doubles where we were winning tournaments or getting the finals of tournaments, now I was in qualities of singles. So it was like, and I knew at that point what it would take in order to get back to 2030 in the world in singles. And I just, I didn't want to be one of these girls who rocked up to singles events and just took a check, you know, like, Oh, I can get in. I'm just going to play. No. Like if I'm going to play singles, I want to be one of the best in the world or I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move on. And, and I did. And I'll never forget my last match was against Maddox. It was against Bethany and we were playing in Memphis and I loved that event. I had won it two times finaled another time and I was playing Bethany and I was 
still, I was probably seated like five or six at the time. And she was young and she, I think she was, you know, you know, up and coming and she was like this, you know, new kid on the block. And, and I lost to her. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if I can't produce here in Memphis, where I love the courts, I love the environment. And I just, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, you know what, I just, I think I'm done. And, and that was it. And that's what I did. And, and I, you know, was like, I'm just going to play doubles. And it was like, I have these two separate careers almost now, you know, looking back and it was definitely the best decision for me. So you got to 15. Mm -hmm. Who were you when you got to 15? Like, how did you, like, what was, what was going good? Cause I mean, to get to 15, you had to been going really, really good. (laughs) I, you know, I just, um, I, I think I just, I just had the right people around me. I was playing well, um, confident, you know, I think, Again, I think a lot of girls, um, you know, really struggled with my slice, you know, especially, you know, with the Western forehands then. And, um, you know, I was coming forward and I was such an anomaly of how I played, you know, chip and charge some. But yet I also, you know, had a big forehand from the baseline. So I wasn't just someone who could, you know, only move forward. Um, You know, and I just think my game rattled a lot of players. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my slice... You know, I owe a lot of my career to that slice backhand. <laughs> so, wow! Now, yeah. your best moment on tour? Probably it's a tie, um, wow. and both late in my career. Um, probably winning my last women's um, Grand Slam with Liesl Huber, uh, the twenty eleven U.S. Open, and the reason that was you know so special was. Uh, I had kind of fallen off a bit um, the years before with my ranking and I got, I wasn't in shape. Um, You know, people really started doubting me and, you know, like you're never going to get back to number one. You're never going to win another slam. And, um, you know, I hooked up with Liesl and um, well, some people, including my coach at the time, were not fans of the partnership, um, ended up stopped working with that coach, do a huge part because of that. And I just felt like I really had something to prove. And, um, you know, and, and I won that slam um, 2011 and I had, you know, family there and, and friends. And it was just it was just everything. It was just kind of like a, I, I just loved proving people wrong. Um, and then winning, you know, the Olympic medal with Mike Bryan in, um, in London. We won, the, we won the bronze. And um, it was like, I just felt like, if there was one thing left in my doubles career that I did not accomplish, it was winning a medal. And so, um, you know, I had played other Olympics. I had kind of gotten screwed out of playing in Olympics years and years ago uh, in 2000, which I don't even need to get into that story. But, um, you know, it was just kind of just one of these moments. Again, I just, I had some family there and it was this epic match. It was at Wimbledon. Uh, It was, you know, seven, five in the third set. And it was just, it was awesome. Mike and I were friends and it just was everything. So, um, and again, both of those, both of those, those wins were the latter part of my career, which made it even more sweet. I mean, what a career. Thank you. Was there a favorite person to play doubles with? Was there ever a day in your life where you were like, Oh, oh my God, this is the greatest. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough call. Um, I had such success in women's doubles with, with Sam, um, with Renee and with Liesl. Um, you know, and it's with Sam and Renee, we were all, you know, Sam was, you know, one of my dearest friends and still has this day and same with Renee. So that was, those were very special wins, you know, whereas with Liesl, it was more of a business partnership. Um, and we found success that way, but, um, you know, I would probably, and, and again, with the mix, I mean, playing doubles with, with Mike Bryan, you know, one of the the two greatest to ever, you know, step on a doubles court, men's doubles court. So, um, you know, with, with Sam though, I think, you know, we were just, we were, we were dominating and, you know, honestly, Sam, if she hadn't gotten sick when she got sick, you know, we were number one in the world at the time, you know, when she got, um, you know, deathly sick and, you know, fortunately, and thank God, you know, she was able to recover from that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's such a tough call. You know, I'm sure if I say Sam, I'll get a phone call from Renee bitching me out, you know, and then if I can say that, but, but, um, but no, I mean, I think they all, they each had their own um, special moments and special part of my career and, and, you know, and in my heart. Listen, what a career. Who were you when you started and who were you when you finished? Oh, wow. You know, when I started, I was probably um, this big eyed um, young kid who thought I was going to dominate women's tennis. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was probably a little overconfident and um, didn't show the humility and probably the... um, certainly not the perspective that I showed, you know, at, at 42, obviously when I, when I retired and, um, you know, I think when I, the person I became was someone who, um, realized that tennis had gifted me so many things, whether it was this incredible career, these incredible opportunities, meeting people, um, friendships, relationships, um, you know, and it's now it's, you know, I used to, resent when people would say you know Lisa Raymond a tennis player you know and now it's like I am proud of that so I'm proud of that that's who I was and still am and um and I owe a lot to to the sport and 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 to my career let's move into the fourth set this is the 10 ball scramble I say it and you just say what comes in your mind oh boy okay no no it's good it's good it's the 10 ball scramble (laughs) favorite favorite tournament tournament i uh, always loved playing in philly when we had it because it was my backyard wow philly favorite city oh, um oh god it's, again loved australia sydney melbourne um but also love playing in the states love playing in like san diego so stuff craig <laughs> your favorite player growing up you said it earlier times 100 yep Steffi. Yeah. Um, do you know Steffi? Yes. Yeah. And that was probably one of the most um, traumatic <laughs> um, days and, and times too. I mean, I'm my, she was always, I always put her on such a pedestal and she was my idol. And then my coach, Andy was good friends with her coach at the time, Heinz. And he Heinz had Goodhart. scheduled a couple. Yeah. He had scheduled a couple practice sessions with Steffi. Um, you know, and I was just, it was, I was, you know, 19, I had just come out of college. It was my first year on tour and here I am, you know, going out and having to hit with Steffi and 
I'll never forget. Um, they were 7.30 a.m. practices, which I love. I mean, I ended up like emulating so much of what Steffi did in her career, the early practices, the in and out of the courts. So let's get it in, get our business in and get out of there. That's how I, you know, that's the way I, I practiced, you know, throughout my career because of that. But anyway, so 7 a.m. practice, 7.30 practice. I don't think I slept a wink the night before. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, and I was a nervous wreck going out there with her, but she was awesome. She was great. She was super nice. And, but I'll tell you, I have the professionalism from the first ball to the last ball. I've never seen anything like it to this day. I mean, it was just, she was just on. Her feet were moving and she was so, it was so focused from the first ball to the last, you know, and again, this, I know this was a time before cell phones and all this kind of crap, but like it was business and it was so professional. And I just, it was just the coolest. It was so awesome. <laughs> Who has a better slice? <laughs> Steffi. <laughs> Are you, is that the truth or is that the lie? hundred percent truth. I mean, I, anytime I try and teach a slice or tell someone to slice, that's like, look, yes, I had a great slice, but her footwork, I mean, again, she, to this day, I still think she's the best athlete, you know, that played and her athleticism and how her feet were always in position and her weight was always forward. She never, ever hit a lazy slice ever. Excuse my, did, did you ever play her? I did. I played her a few. Um, I played her in, I think, one time in a, a tournament. And then I played her in a couple exhibitions. And twice in the exhibitions, I was I was up 4-3 in the third serving. And just no chance I was going to finish that and, and pull that one off. So lost. But I've never beaten her. No. <laughs> 0 for 3. Now, 0 for 3. Um, your favorite player now. Is there someone you really like to watch play? Um. You know, again, I loved watching Ash because of, you know, the slice and, you know, and I love watching Ons because she gives, she does something different than just try and rip the crap out of the ball on everything. You know, I just, I got to be honest, like, I mean, I'll end up watching the men a lot more than the women just because I like a little bit more versatility and I like seeing, you know, points kind of being put together back in the old, you know, like, you know, watching someone like Martina Hingis, you know, play a match, you know, and she, it was all about strategy and you get this ball to get that ball to hit this ball, you know, and, and I miss that. And so I, I try and watch players and, you know, that, um, that do that a bit more rather than just, you know, step up to the line and hit big serves and, you know, big returns. <laughs> Is there a book on when you should poach? Or are you a complete field poacher? How did you guys decide, or how did you women, ladies, Mm -hmm. how did you decide to cross? When did you know you were going to cross? I'm a big um, proponent. You cross like like crazy. Yeah, but it's it's plan. I like having a plan. I was never, I got to be honest, Craig, I was not a natural mover on the doubles court. I I had to learn at the net where someone like Renee, Liesl, Cara, fearless they were fearless doubles players you know when it came up to the net and I had to learn I had to truly study and practice and practice and practice poaching and um whereas I think they were a little bit more instinctual than I was um now I did it well because I did it you know in the sense of like I spent a lot of hours you know working on different drills of when to poach and how to poach and um you know, and I think it, it definitely can be more of a feel thing. You know, it's like you just 
the ebb and flow of a match, the ebb and dependent upon your opponent, the type of ball they're hitting, whether it's heavy, whether it's flat, whether it's slice. Um, so it's definitely something that I think certain players are very gifted at doing and, and some just have to learn and try to become masters of it through repetition and through practice. And I, that's what that was one of those. Best doubles players that you didn't play with that gave you a tough time that were brutal. Gigi Fernandez, hundred percent. She, I never, I played against her a bazillion times, um, but um, never really had the opportunity to play again um, with her. Um, and same thing, Hingis. Hingis was, I had one chance. I was going to play with Martina uh, in Filderstadt one year. And I was so excited to finally get to play with her. And, you know, it's going to be amazing. And she ended up getting sick and having to pull out of the tournament, singles and doubles. So I was, that was a real, that was a huge bummer. Not getting, um, you know, the chance to play with her. It's it was, funny. I was, know. I was just watching um, you, uh, your final, you and Renee versus um, Mary and, and Martina. Oh and my I was God. Like watching Martina play. And I was like, wow, I've got to make sure I ask, I asked Lisa yeah. about Martina. I mean, she's like the best doubles player she was 19 then um she was just a whiz she was a wizard huh wimbledon at 15 doubles right 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 i mean just oh she was on it's so funny i mean i remember when ld and i Lindsay, who's another dear friend of mine we would play a bunch of doubles and we lost a few um finals and, and big matches to Martina and whomever she was playing with at the time, whether it was Natasha, whether it was, um, you know, anybody Martina played with, she was, you know, they were unreal team and we'd be playing and, you know, we used to call her the maestro because like she, yeah. would, we'd hit, you know, you know, you have Lindsay hit this unreal return that, you know, 99.9% of the world could never get back. And you've got Martina just coming in and hitting like a forehand volley feathered down the line winner like just not even flinching. I mean, she just, she was so good. <laughs> Most cavalier thing you ever did with prize money straight out of the office. Uh, did you ever just go buy a boat? Do you buy a speedboat? Like just leave the office? Not a speedboat, but I bought a, uh, I did buy a, like a, a condo at the beach. <laughs> what, what, what tournament did you win where you just walked out and did that? Well, no, I mean, it wasn't just, it was like just the accumulation probably at the end of the year. And I just said, you know what, it's time. I'm going to spend a little money here and treat myself. <laughs> That's beautiful. Rajiv Ram. <laughs> yes. That's that's for the that's for, that's my question. Rajiv, oh. Rajiv Ram. Rajiv Ram just became number one, 38 one years world. old. It's amazing. Love it. Number one in the world. Great guy, unbelievable doubles player. Uh, never got a chance to play with him. Wish I had. He also has. He he plays like Pete. He's got a. Yep. He's got that style. Yeah, he does. It's it's awesome. Again, um, I love seeing you know the guys that have been around for a while. You know, finally coming into themselves and and having the success they're having. Your favorite Serena moment. I don't know. I don't, I, I have a lot of unfavorite Serena moments when she would, you know, beat the crap out of me on the singles court. So um, she's, you know, quarters of Wimbledon one year. And so, um, uh, that's a, that's uh, a fair enough answer. Pass. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and your favorite Roger moment. Is there something that you remember of Rogers that, uh, 
you can share with us. We, we pride ourselves on being like an insider show. So, you know, if yeah, you ever I mean, had I a think good. My favorite Roger moment, again, is kind of the story I told about, uh, you know, when we were, Sam and I were accepting um, the year end world number one doubles team in the world and, and at the, at the dinner at the awards banquet and he's sitting at our table and he just, you know, it was like he took the time to literally just listen to everyone's speeches and, you know, took the time to take pictures with everybody. I mean, I mean, we're sitting at the table and, you know, getting the war and all we could care about is, you know, getting our picture taken with Roger. So um, just such a, an amazing, amazing individual. Did you ever have like a neat conversation with him where you guys talked about your backhands or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, he was always, again, he just, he was one of these guys, he'd, he'd walk by you and he always, hi, Lisa, he always addressed you by your name. And he, he didn't, um, you know, he just, he respected his fellow players and you just, you, you knew that. And it was just, it was a very cool, um, you know, error to be a part of. I mean, I'm very, very thankful that, you know, during my career, it was during Roger Federer's career. So. Totally amazing. Let's move into the fifth and final set. Yeah. This is the queen of the court. If you could be the queen of tennis and make a change mm-hmm. in the sport with just a swing of the swing of the stick with no aggravation, what would mm-hmm. it be? Oh, you know, I think I think we're one of again one of the very few sports without a much of an off season. And I think if we could somehow I know it's been something that's talked about back in the day and you know, and, and, you know, whether let's condense it, let's condense it. But I truly believe that, um, you know, there certainly be a lot less injuries. Um, you know, if you do well, you know, and you're in the year end championships and then, you know, if you had Davis cup or fed cup or, you know, Billie Jean cup, King cup, um, you know, you have off two weeks <laughs> where you can literally put down the rackets, not have to go to a gym, not do anything. And that's, I mean, I mean it's not that's, enough. It's not enough, <laughs> you know, I mean, just mentally, you know, to be able, you know, you need an entire month to take off and rest your body and mess, you know, rest your mind and then get back into your, you know, hardcore or hardcore off season training, you know? So I think I would try and somehow, you know, have more of an off season. And again, I know it's been something that's been talked about and tried to play around with a little bit before, but you know, in order for that to happen, then you obviously need more tournaments during the year. So then, you know, it's it's very complicated, obviously. But um, so I'm going to just I know I normally don't do this, but mm-hmm. you know, because of your stylistic genius <laughs> and the fact that you can't really win tennis matches that way in pro tennis anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a technology sort of like a set of rules with technology could would be like kind of a fun thing to try like limiting the string technology limiting the racket so that it's tougher yeah um look i first of all i don't i don't necessarily think that you can't win but cannot win big matches, big slams, become one of the top players in the world without having, you know, just power. I mean, I think there's certainly room in the game where, you know, you can have that versatility, um, you know, that someone with my style or someone back in the day had. But, um, 
you know, look, you know, it's, it's like anything else. I mean, if technology is going to evolve and the strings and whatever, then the player needs to. And so it's going to be just, um, you know, if that's the way it is, then you just have to get good at, at, uh, at playing, you know, adjusting to that. Um, I don't think there needs to be certain roles or whatnot, but, you know, I do think that um, players, you know, with versatility, with slice that can chip and charge that can come forward, you know, can still, you know, still win slams and still be, you know, dominate the game. Lisa Raymond, this was a pleasure. Um, what, <laughs> what, what are the next, uh, what is, what does the back end of the year look like for you? Um, well, I'm just, I'm home right now in Philly, just enjoying some time with family and the kids and, you know, but, um, Allie, who, uh, who I coach full time, she's, uh, she's having a little bit of some, you know, knee issues, which have been, you know, issues throughout her career. I mean, the the poor girl has had, you know, five knee surgeries and was off tour there for a while for almost three years of her career. But, um, you know, so she's taking a little time, she's getting an MRI and seeing what's going on there and send it to her doctor and, um so we'll see what happens with that and in the meantime just kind of enjoying life well listen as i said enjoy the uh i guess halloween into into thanksgiving enjoy the world series yeah go phillies (laughs) thank you so much for this and lisa raymond uh florida gator you are released thank you craig thank you for having me pleasure to be on it Huge thank you to Lisa Raymond, and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com, and welcome aboard Diodora. See them at Diodora.com, and be on the lookout, as there will be more to come. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. Special thanks to Alex Feldman and Diodora for the assistance. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro and you are released.